It is a Thursday morning, the 28th of the month of September. Let's begin together in prayer on this Feast of St. Wenceslas in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, make us wise. You did not think equality with God something to be clung to. Release us from the desire for power and prestige, we pray. You emptied yourself, taking on the nature of a slave. Free us from all disdain for works of service, we pray. You became obedient even unto death, death on the cross. Deliver us from the lure of self-sufficiency, we pray. O Christ, you wash the feet of your disciples, you who are both Lord and Master. Strip us of the garments of pride, and free us to do for one another the tasks of love as you have done for us. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus Christ, who live and reign with the Father and the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. It is a better way to start a Thursday morning, the Sunrise Morning Show, here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. And Travis is over there doing something with the video. We might have video today. I'll tell you more about that in a moment. Up this hour, we have much of which to speak. Father Robert Nixon will join us from Australia, as he does so often. Uh, Today we get to start a new uh, translation of his. So he's been working on Paradise of the Soul by St. Albert. I'm really excited to dig into this new uh, treasure that Father Nixon has unearthed and translated. We'll catch up with Danielle Bean from the Girlfriends Podcast. Also, pastoral counselor Kevin Prendergast will have some thoughts on mental illness from a Catholic perspective. So please do stay with us if you can. Right now, it is two minutes past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis went after former President Donald Trump for his stance on abortion in the debate last night on Fox News Channel. DeSantis pushed back against the claim that pro-life policies are to blame for Republican losses in the midterm election. Apparently we don't have audio moving. Let me try here. I think there's other reasons for that. Uh, the former president, um, you know, he's missing in action tonight. He's had a lot to say about that. He should be here explaining his comments to try to say that pro-life protections are somehow a terrible thing. DeSantis earlier this year signed a heartbeat law. DeSantis said Trump should be at the debate stage defending his position. Trump skipped both presidential debates so far. The Susan B. Anthony list responded to the Republican debate last night, saying, quote, we thank Governor Ron DeSantis for his commitment to support minimum federal protections for babies in the womb when they feel pain by 15 weeks, while keeping states free as possible to be as ambitious as possible for life. She said, we thank Senator Tim Scott for raising this vital point in the debate and for advocating these protections for months, as has Vice President Mike Pence. This standard reflects the consensus of seven in 10 Americans, end quote. The U.S. soldier who crossed into North Korea without permission is back now in American custody. Details from Mark Mayfield. On Wednesday, North Korean state media announced that U.S. Army Private Travis King would be expelled from the country. 
King was taken into North Korean custody in July after he bolted across the DMZ during a tour rather than board a flight back home to the U.S. North Korea at the time said King confessed that he had illegally entered the country due to alleged inhuman maltreatment and racial discrimination within the U.S. Army. I'm Mark Mayfield. During his general audience yesterday, Pope Francis reflected on his visit last weekend to Marseille, France, to close the Mediterranean meetings. The Pope said he found passion and enthusiasm there. He prayed that Our Lady, quote, accompany the journey of the peoples of the Mediterranean so that this region might become what it has always been called to be, a mosaic of civilization and hope, end quote. The bishops of Canada say that reconciliation with indigenous peoples is advancing. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports. In his introductory remarks on Monday, Bishop Raymond Poisson pointed to the significant progress achieved in the long journey of healing and reconciliation with indigenous peoples, reiterating that Pope Francis' penitential pilgrimage to Canada and his heartfelt apologies have inspired the Canadian bishops to make new forays in their individual and collective pastoral engagements with indigenous peoples. He recalled in particular the publication of the bishop's four pastoral letters on reconciliation, which he said will hopefully serve as a framework for furthering relationships of trust for years to come. Bishop Poisson further remarked that the Indigenous Reconciliation Fund, established in 2022, has so far collected the record sum of $11 million and is well on track to exceed the five-year target of $30 million the bishops pledged two years ago. Even more encouraging, he added, are the projects being initiated by indigenous peoples at the local level supported by the dioceses. Bishop Poisson also recalled the milestone statement issued earlier this year by the Vatican Dicasteries for Culture and Education and for Promoting Integral Development, rejecting the centuries-old doctrine of discovery that was used to justify the elimination of indigenous peoples' culture and livelihoods. Finally, the head of the Canadian bishops emphasised that in this journey towards healing and reconciliation, the key word is accompaniment. To those who wish to walk with us, he said, what we can offer as Christians and shepherds is empathy, compassion and prayer, so that this journey may culminate in true freedom and lasting hope. I am Lisa Zingarini. And Pope Francis has awarded co-cathedral status to a church on the Britain's Isle of Man. It's the first of its kind in the history of the British Isles. The Church of St. Mary of the Isle in the Manx capital, Douglas, will be a co-cathedral along with Liverpool's Metropolitan Cathedral of Christ the King. The co-cathedrals are 80 miles apart and separated by the Irish Sea, but both are within the jurisdiction of the Archdiocese of Liverpool. Okay. Kind of interesting, isn't it? I don't know how any of that stuff works, but all I right. have no idea either. But okay. kind of cool, nonetheless. Yes, very kind of cool. Speaking of which, I'm like sitting here watching, uh, I think the live stream's up and running animatronic. I know. So, Matt, your hair looks great today. Thank you. I worked extra hard. I can tell. Uh-oh. But uh, if people want to see, because uh, poor Travis has been here trying to like f- wrestle with robots for who knows how long getting this up to speed, so this will work. And I've been working hard on cleaning my office mm-hmm. and my studio space, 
So uh, behind me, it's not just piles and piles of disorganized books. There actually is, you know, some semblance of order to them. Like you nice. can see my Bible quizzing trophies clearly now. Oh, thank but, God. But thank at any God. rate, if you go to sunrisemorningshow.com, look at the show notes. I put the link to the video stream. and I'm going to put the link to the video stream at the top of every uh, show notes page. So uh, we'll see how this Sunrise goes. Sunrise Morning Show Television. It's not it's exactly weird. television, but, you know, close enough. People could... I think there's like an app that you can get for like, I don't know, Roku or your Fire Stick or whatever for like Facebook Live. Okay. So you could watch the Sunrise Morning Show on I don't TV. know how to tell people how to do that yet, but I, I will don't soon, either. I bet you. I just, you know. SunriseMorningShow.com. Click on the video link. Let us know. And you can chat um, with us too. See how Matt's hair looks today. You can put a little chats in the YouTube there. Somebody just hearted something. Oh. Thank you. Name I can't pronounce. There's numbers. The in it. first heart that first we've heart. gotten. Oh my gosh, we're gonna have all kinds of milestones this is be today. Fun. I hope. This is be fun. <laughs> well, today is Thursday, September the twenty eighth. It is the feast of King Wenceslas, Saint Wenceslas. Pray for us. It is also my tenth wedding anniversary. A decade. Happy anniversary, Will. Joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Father Robert Nixon. He is a Benedictine monk at New Norcia in Australia, translator of the Tan Resurrection series. And we have a new book to start talking about today. It's called Paradise of the Soul, 42 Virtues to Reach Heaven by St. Albert the Great. Father, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Mark. Uh, very much, Eddie. It's great to be with you today. It is great to have you. So St. Albert the Great, I mean, not many saints in the history of the church get the title The Great, but he definitely deserves Indeed. it, doesn't he? There are only a handful who have that title, Gregory the Great, Leo the Great. Um, St. Albert the Great was actually called the Great while he was still alive. Really? And although, of course, he wasn't a saint at that time, um, he was called the Great because he was regarded as the most learned man in all of civilization alive at the time. So he was an immense intellect, an expert not only in theology and philosophy and scripture, but also in the various areas of science, in astronomy, chemistry, biology, and geology, and so forth. So he was a wonderful scholar who made a tremendous creative impact on the church through his thought and through his writing. And through his very famous student. Indeed. <laughs> uh, one of his great claims to fame is that he taught um, Thomas Aquinas, the angelic doctor, and this, of course, in itself is enough to establish him. He also taught um, other prominent people. Uh, he taught one of the Pope Johns, Pope John the 21st, I think, and, and numerous other church leaders. So he occupied uh, this tremendously important role as a teacher within his own order, which was the Order of St. Dominic, um, the uh, the order of preachers. Yeah. Can you talk about how it was that he came to be a Dominican? Yes. There's actually quite an amazing story about yeah. his vocational choice. Uh, from a young age, he'd shown great sanctity and, and intelligence and a dedication to serve the church, but he wasn't sure exactly how he should do that, what order he should join or whether he should uh, enter a diocese or so forth. So he was in Padua studying, 
and he went into the great basilica in that wonderful city, and he prayed to the Virgin Mary to be given some kind of sign or indication what he should do. And she appeared before him, and she urged him to join the Order of Preachers. Now, at the time, the Order of Preachers had only been going for a few decades. It was still a very new institution, um, yet it was spreading at a tremendous rate. And the Queen of Heaven told him that if he joined this new order and worked for it, dedicated his talents and energies towards their important work, that he would be bestowed with all understanding from heaven. And this was precisely what happened to him. He went on to become, as I mentioned, the greatest scholar of his time, but also served the church as a bishop um, of the city of Regensburg in Germany. But his real love was for teaching, for sharing his knowledge and understanding. And he did this with such wonderful effect. And does so, I believe, in this book, The Paradise of the Soul. How did you discover this book, Father? Um, well, I was looking through St. Albert the Great's collected works, all of his writings, and um, his writings altogether um, are probably twice as much in length as the collected writings of St. Thomas Aquinas. He was a, wow. a prolific writer who wrote on all subjects, not only theology, but also science on animals, on botany and so forth. Um, I came across this one work um, and it struck me as being a real treasure um, because the virtues are so important, the cultivation of the virtues. And in this book, he goes through a comprehensive list, 42 different virtues, and he describes these for us. He tells us how to cultivate these virtues within ourselves, and also how to be alert to signs when these virtues are, are going wrong in mm. some way. Um, so this is a work in which he combines his wisdom as a theologian and teacher and also his astute observation with human nature. Yeah, we're going to go through this book virtue by virtue, but I'm really curious what you mean. So these virtues gone wrong, um, how, how, yeah. does, how does that happen? Well, he follows the idea of the philosopher Aristotle, who believed that for something to be a virtue, it had to exist in the right measure, in the kind of golden mean that if any characteristic was taken to excess, it could cease to become a virtue and mm. become a vice. Wow. So he talks about the relationship between uh, virtues and vice. So he says, for example, stubbornness can sometimes be seen as constancy. Mm. Um, carelessness and negligence may be seen as tolerance. Curiosity may be seen as circumspection um, and so forth that each of these virtues, if the characteristic is pushed too far, can turn into a vice. Wow. So um, the happy medium is what he is talking about. And this then allows us to detect virtues are going wrong when either they're being taken to extremes um, so that they cease to be virtues or that they're being enacted for the wrong reasons. Well, I have a feeling I am going to be learning quite a bit from you and St. Albert the Great, and uh, I'm sure our listeners will, too. Encourage folks to go over to Tan Books and pick up a copy of Paradise of the Soul by St. Albert the Great, translated by 
Father Robert Nixon. Father, really appreciate your time this morning. Thank you. Thank you, Annie. God bless you and happy anniversary. Thank you very much. Very much appreciated. 16 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We got headlines coming up next. Stay with us. The new feature film, Mother Teresa and Me, sponsored by Fathom Events, is in theaters Thursday, October 5th. Mother Teresa and Me weaves together the stories of two women, Mother Teresa, who served the poor with love amidst her dark night of the soul, and Kavita, a young woman who is searching for love while struggling with her unexpected pregnancy. Mother Teresa and Me, in theaters Thursday, October 5th. More information at fathomevents.com. That's fathomevents.com. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. Mystic Monk Coffee has brought back their pumpkin spice blend, and unlike the competition, buying their coffee has the added bonus of supporting the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming and the Sunrise Morning Show. Go to sunrisemorningshow.com and click the Mystic Monk link to get that or any of their other coffee blends or teas. When you check out, we earn a commission. And there's no better vessel for your Mystic Monk pumpkin spice latte than a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug. Find those in our online store. Do pumpkin spice the Catholic way. Just head on over to sonrisemorningshow.com. This is Jim Pinto, director of EWTN Media Missionaries. EWTN Media Missionaries prayerfully take EWTN to parishes and the community through the print and electronic media we provide. You can help EWTN share the good news by becoming a media missionary. Visit EWTNmissionaries.com today and join us in sharing the eternal word with the world. You know, after after that beat that Jim had under him, our headline music just sounds. This doesn't go as hard, Anna Mitchell. Oh wow! Well. That was pretty. That was pretty. That was pretty intense. Intense, and now I feel like I'm yeah. on a drum machine in my basement in 1984. <laughs> what are the headlines? The Republican presidential candidates all went after President, former President Trump last night in the GOP debate on Fox News Channel. During his general audience yesterday, Pope Francis reflected on his visit last weekend to Marseille, France. And Catholic University of America has announced new security measures in response to concerns over public safety in Washington, D.C. All right. I'm just messaging our Facebook people so that they can see the video live stream. I'm going to be figuring this out for a while. Like, you know, this is we're still reaching, as I told Travis, we still are reaching cruise altitude. Yeah, well, of course. So the uh, seatbelt line is uh, the the sign is definitely still on. Keep your seatbelts fastened, ladies. Keep it fastened. Keep it fastened. Uh, You know, it's kind of cool to hear after we were just talking about co-cathedrals and stuff to Mm -hmm. hear Father Robert Nixon say the word basilica, you know, with that Australian kind (laughs) of R at the end. But, you know, he was talking about something that I've thought about a lot uh, and continue to think about a lot. We talk about it some here on uh, these segments about how in a social media world we tend to get so hyped up and uh, freaked out about things that sometimes the virtue is the thing that the devil will use to, like, 
distort, mm-hmm. you know, your good impulses and send you in a bad direction. Um, so, for instance, there's righteous anger, but not all anger is righteous, yeah. right? There's a desire for justice, but sometimes your desire for justice will distort um, things like charity and prudence. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, you know, he mentioned curiosity, and there's a healthy curiosity that causes you to learn, um, that leads you into wonder, that causes you to lift your soul into mystery. And then there is curiositas. Then there's curiositas. Yes. Which is trying to know some stuff that you shouldn't know, uh, which is getting into other people's business, which Mm -hmm. usually leads to gossip, which usually Mm -hmm. leads to all kinds of other unsavory things, and which distracts you from the stuff that you probably should be thinking about. Okay, so there are 42... 42 virtues in that book that get covered in this book i don't know if video people can see that that's not that thick of a book no that means they're going to be dense jam-packed it's 21 past waking up with mystic monk coffee is definitely a better way to start your day not only are you getting a great cup of coffee but your purchase helps support the life of the carmelite monks of wyoming and your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonricemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's sonricemorningshow.com. You start your day a better way by listening to the Sunrise Morning Show. Soon you'll be able to watch as well. That's right. Starting September 25th, you'll be able to watch the Sunrise video stream on social media and at sunrisemorningshow.com. You'll also be able to see the faces of the regular Sunrise Morning Show family. Plus, you'll get to see what my hair looks like first thing in the morning. And whether I ever crack a smile at Matt's terrible jokes. Spoiler alert, she does. Sunrise goes to video September 25th. Tune in at sunrisemorningshow.com. I am Bishop Roger Foyes of the Diocese of Covington with a reading from the Imitation of Christ. If only I could find you alone, O Lord, and tell you all that is in my heart, then I could enjoy you as much as my soul desires. Then you only would speak to me and I to you as a lover does to a beloved or a friend to a good friend. This is my one desire and what I pray for, to be entirely united to you and to withdraw my heart from all created things, that by holy communion and the frequent offering of Mass, I may learn ever to delight in the eternal things of heaven. Dear Lord, when shall I be completely one with you and entirely forgetful of myself? You in me, and I in you. I am Bishop Roger Foyes of the Diocese of Covington for Sacred Heart Radio. Danielle Bean joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. You can catch up with her at daniellebean.com. Listen to her girlfriend's podcast through us. I almost said Ascension Press. Goodcatholic.com and... You can check out the community over at girlfriendscommunity.com. Good morning, Danielle. Good morning. You just can't thrive during a change there with the uh, changing what you're I saying. I know. It's like <laughs> even the slightest of changes slip me up all the time. I tell you yeah. what, you know, we're going to be talking about that, actually. Great transition, Danielle. How to deal with change. Are you good at this? Because I'm not. 
No, I think nobody's good at that, right? <laughs> I mean, even when it's a good change, even if it's something you want, like getting married, having a baby, buying a house, right? Things that you want to do, be doing, joyful moments in life. It's hard. It's stressful. There's an adjustment. We don't like for things to change. And that's okay. You know, I think it's important for us to kind of talk about the fact that that is challenging and to recognize when we are going through a big change that maybe we need to adjust our expectations of ourselves and our schedules and, um, you know, just give ourselves a little bit of grace during times when we're going through a large change. Yeah, I mean, change in general, like the the big idea of change is really inevitable in anyone's life. I guess there are some instances that you might succeed at this, but does it really do us much good to resist all the time? (laughs) No, that's a waste of your time and energy. I think, you know, recognizing that life changes and and some people are going to have more adaptive personalities than others. I can see this in my own kids. Some of them are always just kind of go with the flow. Others of them really never want a single thing in their lives to ever change. And, you know, so know yourself and know your, your personality as you're going into a time of change. But being aware of it, I think, is a really helpful thing. Like, don't just kind of power through difficult times in your life, times of transition and change, because it's going to come back to bite you. I promise you, because I've had that happen to me many times. Mm-hmm. So how would you encourage people to pray in the midst of change? Yeah, I mean, if you are struggling to adjust to something big that's going on in your life, especially if something has come to an end, whether it's a work situation or maybe one of your kids is leaving home for the first time or uh, you've lost somebody you love, you know, I always encourage people to go to prayer and ask God, what now or what next? He's always got a plan for our good. He wants to work all things together for our good, even in the midst of very difficult things. And he wants to reveal his plan to you. So I really encourage you, if you're struggling in a time of change, to just go to prayer and ask God those questions. What now? What next? He has a plan for you in your life, something new on the horizon that he has planned for you, some good that he wants you to do, some good work he still wants to accomplish in you. And it might look different from how it looked before, but be open to what God's new plan is. And you talk in your podcast on this about the importance of gratitude, but what if you're really not feeling very thankful for whatever is changing in your life at the time? (laughs) I totally get it. But, you know, those times when we are, like, really grieving a loss of something— We can be thankful for the thing that we had. That thing that we are grieving the loss of was a good thing that God gave us in our lives, whether it was, you know, a a job or, you know, a new car that you had that you got in a car accident with or, um, you know, losing somebody that you love, something as large as that. Give thanks for the good that you had. It, It can be hard, you know, especially talk with moms, you know, in the back to school season, we usually talk about that topic of the giving thanks and letting go, which is the theme of my book from Ave Maria, which is this this season of letting go as our kids are kind of launching, going to school, starting work, starting new jobs, getting married, launching out in life on their own. It can be hard because you are grieving a very good thing. Your Your younger family life, your younger self, the beautiful things that you experience together with that young person in your life, and that is gone. So it's perfectly okay to grieve the loss of that. But don't forget the important part, which is giving thanks for the fact that you had that good thing in your life and looking around you and seeing what good things you have in your life right now that might be different that you ought to also be giving thanks for. You know, I 
I think about this. You know that prayer that, I, what is it, the centurion, I think, in the gospel where he says, mm. I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. Yeah, I think it's the centurion. I could be wrong about that. It is. Who it no, is. you're but, right. Um, but we can sort of adjust that prayer in so many ways. Um, but I think in this instance, it could be, I am thankful, Lord, help my unthankfulness. Right. Right. I think it's such a beautiful, simple human way to pray, right? Because you want to be thankful. You want to give thanks. And if your heart's not there, if you're not feeling it, you know, God can work with that. He can give you the grace to overcome that. So just a very humble way to go before God, tell Him exactly where you are and where you want to be, knowing that He can help you to get there. Yeah, and I want to stay on this topic of gratitude um, as we close out our conversation, because I've been really struck by, He entered into my life kind of unexpectedly. I talk about this actually in uh, my newsletter article for Sacred Heart Radio this month, um, Blessed Solanus Casey. And one of the things that he encouraged people to do all the time was thank God ahead of time. So think about what that could do for us in preparing our hearts for things that we may not even know are going to change or or things that we're looking ahead and we know the change is going to come, but it isn't here yet. Thanking God ahead of time for that could really adjust our attitude, I think. I think that is a beautiful concept. You know, I vaguely heard of it, but you are intriguing me. I'm going to want to look this up and learn more about Blessed Solana Casey. And I think maybe there's going to be a future podcast topic on this. Danielle, let's make it happen. (laughs) I will look forward to that. Yeah, this is, I mean, it's just a beautiful, beautiful sentiment that he has. And so many people got to experience miracles because of it. That's beautiful. I love it. Okay, stay tuned. Stay tuned. Can't wait to hear that podcast. Again, it's through goodcatholic.com. You can also join the Girlfriends community over at girlfriendscommunity.com, all linked at sonrisemorningshow.com. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. Last night's Republican presidential debate went on without frontrunner Donald Trump. Two of the seven candidates took shots at the former president, including over his recent comments on abortion and his belief that heartbeat laws are not politically expedient. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis pushed back against the claim that pro-life policies are to blame for Republican policy for Republican losses in the midterms. I think there's other reasons for that. Uh, The former president, um, you know, he's missing in action tonight. He's had a lot to say about that. He should be here explaining his comments to try to say that pro-life protections are somehow a terrible thing. DeSantis earlier this year signed a heartbeat law. He said Trump should be on the debate stage defending his position. The Susan B. Anthony list responded to the debate saying, quote, we thank Governor Ron DeSantis for his commitment to support minimum federal protections for babies in the womb when they feel pain by 15 weeks while keeping states free to be as ambitious as possible for life. They said we thank Senator Tim Scott for raising this vital vital point in the debate and for advocating these protections for months, as has Vice President Mike Pence. This standard, they say, reflects the consensus of seven in 10 Americans, end quote. South Carolina Senator Tim Scott said during the debate, a balanced budget amendment is necessary to get the country back on track. 
Trey Thomas has more. South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley sparred with Scott over the nation's debt. I, I appreciate Tim. We've known each other a long time, but he's been there 12 years and he hasn't done any of that. He well, hasn't. Geez. They've only given four budgets uh, on time in 40 years. He was part of that. Biggest, he increased the national in the debt. History. He voted for the spending. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis said leadership is key to the debt issue. North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum said he's presided over a balanced budget in his state. I'm Trey Thomas. Catholic University of America has announced new security measures which come in response to concerns over public safety in the nation's capital. The Washington, D.C. school has established a new office of emergency management, which will provide increased training to the university community. The goal is to better respond to emergencies, which include improved communication, sheltering in place, and evacuation of buildings. The program manager for the new office previously worked with the D.C. Homeland Security and Emergency Management Agency. During his general audience yesterday, Pope Francis reflected on his visit last weekend to Marseille, France, to close out the Mediterranean meetings. The Pope said he found passion and enthusiasm there and prayed that Our Lady accompanied the journey of the peoples of the Mediterranean so that this region might become what it has always been called to be, a mosaic of civilization and hope. He also made another appeal for the people of Ukraine during his general audience, encouraging the faithful to, quote, remember your brothers and sisters forced to leave their war-torn homeland who seek help, refuge, and goodwill. He told Polish pilgrims particularly to show them a Christ-like welcome. United Auto Workers President Sean Fain will make an announcement tomorrow morning on the union's next possible expansion of their strike against Detroit's three big automakers. Last Friday, Fain expanded the workers' strike from three plants, one from each of the big three, to add 38 GM and Stellantis plants. Ford did not see any additional plants affected by the strike due to the progress they made in contract talks. Roughly 60% of U.S. consumers across all income levels are apparently living paycheck to paycheck. Mark Mayfield reports. That's according to new reports from That soundbite does not appear to be working. We'll move on. Elon Musk, the owner of X, formerly known as Twitter, says he's making cuts to the social media platform's election integrity team. The Election Integrity Department seeks to prevent election interference or manipulation on the platform. Yesterday, Musk responded to reports of the firings saying, quote, you mean the election integrity team that was undermining election integrity? Yeah, they're gone, end quote. And the Archdiocese of Detroit has a new auxiliary bishop today. Up until now, Bishop Jeffrey Monforton has been serving as the bishop of Steubenville. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 minutes past. The You start your day a better way by listening to the Sunrise Morning Show. Soon, you'll be able to watch as well. That's right. Starting September 25th, you'll be able to watch the Sunrise video stream on social media and at sunrisemorningshow.com. You'll also be able to see the faces of the regular Sunrise Morning Show family. Plus, you'll get to see what my hair looks like first thing in the morning. And whether I ever crack a smile at Matt's terrible jokes. 
Spoiler alert, she does. Sunrise goes to video September 25th. Tune in at sunrisemorningshow.com. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. This is Every Day with St. Francis de Sales. There is no need to get upset if we find that we are not on equally friendly terms with everyone, provided we love our neighbor cordially, with real affection, as the Lord has commanded us, preferring the other person always and in everything above ourselves, according to the order of holy charity, and never refusing to do anything we can for him or her. We must be prepared to do everything for our neighbor except damn ourselves. For Sacred Heart Radio, I am Father Chris Armstrong. The Sunrise Morning Show continues on this Thursday, the 28th of September. I don't know about you, but I, this this is a month that has flown for me. Yeah, Matt, you long. were like, hey, Annie, have you made the rundowns for October yet? And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's October this weekend. It is October. The Feast of St. Therese is what, Sunday? It's Sunday, and yeah. this snuck up on me because we've got a great piece that we're going to put out over at the Coming Home Network this weekend on St. Therese, and I was like, oh, well, we'll do it next week because, you know, next week's October. Well, we put them out on Fridays, and next Friday will be like the 6th or something. That's crazy. It's wild. Uh, but you, uh, to give you a little uh, hint of how it's going to be, so we talked to a daughter of St. Paul who's a convert, and she was converted by the saints. Um, you know, as a young girl, she was going to the library and reading books about— these martyr saints, uh, young women, Agnes, okay, uh, Bernadette. Okay, sit back and reflect on the fact that there were books about young martyr saints at the library? At the public library like, oh, in her how, era. How, how things have changed. It was a Sorry. different time. Yeah. It was a different time. It was a different time. Well, at any rate, time. she gravitated toward all these saints, but the yeah. one saint that she did not understand or get and was not appeal—found completely unappealing was St. Therese. She's just like looking at this China statue holding a bouquet of flowers. And she's like, that looks really boring. Uh, so she never really warmed up to her. And then later on in life, when she um, became Catholic and then entered religious life, suddenly Therese became her you know, kind of best friend. Wow. But what's funny is that there are actually a lot of famous people through the years who've had similar experiences with St. Therese, where they were like, oh, this saccharine saint, you know, mm -hmm. who's just like, you know, too whatever off in the distance with her quaint. And then they realize just how and then tough they realize her it. Uh, the two yeah. that come to mind immediately abuse. are both Flannery O'Connor and Dorothy Day. Whoa, wait a minute. They both love Therese of Lisieux? Are you yeah, serious? Yeah, but they both really disliked her first. Wow, I didn't know, you know that they ever liked her. What are you getting? 
See, this is like stuff that you can find on oh, yeah, video you, now. Matt, like see. leaving. I'm realizing his now that that since we're on video, you can see me rushing to my bookshelf. Uh, in Love that things. you. Okay, what 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 do you have? Well, I'll, I can tell you what Dorothy Day had to say to, about her because people was recommended. People were recommending her uh, to read Saint Therese, and she said stuff about how um, she had a she had a broad face, her habit and cloak concealed how thin she was. She was very young, and her writing seemed to me like that of a schoolgirl. I wasn't looking for anything so simple. I felt slightly uh, aggravated at my spiritual director for recommending her to me. Uh, I thought handing out what they felt suited my intelligence. (laughs) In other words, pious garbage. So she thought that she had been recommended St. Therese because St. Therese didn't appear to Dorothy Day to be that intelligent or interesting and she thought that by being recommended her the priest was saying well you're not that smart either so maybe you'll like Therese oh wow (laughs) so and then I'm reading this by the way from Dorothy the preface to Dorothy Day's book Therese which (laughs) she obviously had like a massive change of heart on and became like completely um completely infatuated with her uh but also in the letters of Flannery O'Connor you'll find this one to be fun uh so She's writing to her friend, Father James McCown, and says, uh, I just read a very funny book by a priest named Father uh, Etienne Robo on St. Therese of Lisieux. It's called Two Portraits of St. Therese. Flannery o- O'Connor goes on to say, He's managed by some not entirely crooked means to get hold of a photograph of her that the Carmelites have not touched up, which shows her to be a round-faced, determined, rather comical-looking girl. He does away with all the roses, little flowers, and other icing. The book has greatly increased my devotion. <laughs> So what's interesting is that That's... both Flannery O'Connor and Dorothy Day wow. um, looked at St. Therese and it's like, oh, here's a lady in a dress holding flowers uh, and mm-hmm. like a plaster doll with like a kind of a serene, pious look on her face. What could she possibly have to say to me? And then they both went on to read Story of a Soul and found a new wow. found a new best friend. Wow. So. Wow. I don't know if you knew that about either one of those. No, I didn't. Apparently... Not, I have a, not I liking have a, Saint Therese and then liking Saint Therese is like a thing. Yeah, I mean, like I have to say that Saint Therese is somebody that I kind of admire from a distance. I've never myself gotten very close to her, and now I'm very intrigued by this because here are two people that, I mean, I, I don't know the. Wow. So Saint, uh, I, Saint I, Therese, I have to. I this you'll have to think needs about to this. sink in a little bit. Because uh, Flannery O'Connor and Dorothy Day are in some ways very alike, but in many ways very, very different. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, one is a writer in her house, and the other is out there, you know, overhauling society. Yeah. So these are two very different people. Um, but what's interesting, so uh, the daughter of St. Paul, who's going to be talking about this, in the video, I'll link to the video when it comes out tomorrow. Um, she is, her name's Sister Julia, and she works in bookstores for the daughters of St. Paul. And she says that nobody's ve- a clientele of who asks for St. Therese stuff is more varied than St. Therese's clientele. Mm. Uh, and that she'll see, like, you know, tattooed bikers and, like, little Irish grandmothers. Like, it's she's got a good range of people who, oh. are, who are interested in her. Yeah. Uh, but Sister Julia also said something that I thought was really interesting. I'm really excited about sharing this video tomorrow. Um, she says, saints are kind of like your natural relationships in this life in some ways. Because you don't have to, like have an amazing devotion to every single saint. Mm-hmm. There are, are 
in this life, people who are kind of in your tighter inner circle, close friends, distant relatives, mm-hmm. people who you're like, that's my family, but I don't really get them. Even That can even happen in the communion of saints. So like maybe you don't get St. Jerome or Padre Pio or whoever. Well, mm-hmm. well, maybe that's not the closest relationship you're meant to be cultivating right now. Right. Maybe you need to find someone who is like a close spiritual friend. And saints enter your life at different points for different reasons. You know, you have to... You, I have found this in my own life. I mean, I guess this this goes back to when just a couple of years ago when when San Gennaro kind of entered into my life unexpectedly. And it was just one. I mean, well, it was a major thing in my life with Roma's brain surgery. But um, having an awareness of all of the saints and their stories so that you can kind of like the veil is so thin, isn't it? When, when you start to learn about their lives and there's one little thing that just sort of piques your interest and, and, and makes you sit up and notice and then you start looking around and you see them all over the place. Like, for instance, you know, there's that – the practice, my family does it, where we, um, we've got a whole big jar – of saint names on paper and we pick one out on New Year's Day and that's our saint for the year, the saint that picks you. San Gennaro picked Agnes this year. Oh. Isn't that weird? Like that's wild. of all <laughs> I mean it's just like there's stuff like that that is just like, whoa, what in the world? Uh Solanus Casey has entered into my life. Last year uh Rose Hawthorne um Rose started and, Rose started, and Solanus have both been kind of around me lately too. And and so you're just like and it, and it might take a while. There are sometimes San Gennaro when when Roma was going through her brain surgery, like San Gennaro came in a very big way, and I noticed it right away, and and could see how he was working right away. Whereas like Blessed Solanus, Rose Hawthorne, um, I haven't quite figured it out yet, but I have this awareness of them right now. And so I'm kind of tuned in to them to see like, okay, where is this? I mean, I was quoting I was quoting Solanus Casey just earlier this hour about thanking God ahead of time, for instance. And it's like, okay, why do I need to be thinking about thanking God ahead of time right now? I don't know. I have no idea. But I feel like I like this is this is a concept that keeps coming to mind even in conversations on the show um, that I don't intend for it to happen. And yet something that a guest says makes me think about it. And so it's like, okay, blessed Solanus, I'm I'm watching out. I'm waiting. You know, I have no idea what Rose Hawthorne, you know, this this goes back to the the memoirs of Marianne, you know. By Flannery um, O'Connor. This was like a year ago, I think, mm-hmm. that, that that happened. But, and I haven't quite figured out why, but I keep an awareness of Rose Hawthorne and pray through her intercession every day because I'm like, I don't know why you jumped into my life at that point, but I'll sit and wait and see. It happens. You know? and so I this think would be a good use of our, uh, of our uh, social media things and even our YouTube. I want to know what saints have found you. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I'll be really curious to know, like, if people are intrigued by St. Therese now because of what you've just said, Matt, and what you're saying. St. Therese is sneaky. She's easily the sneakiest of the saints. Well, do you remember how long ago was it? You were, um, you were, you put up, 
Did you put it up on Twitter? I forget where you put oh, it up. Oh, my Spider-Man thing? I'm going to save that for tomorrow. Pic- yeah, the, the pictures my of Spider-Man. Spider-Man day. Way too She's many crazy sneaky. things happened that day. Like 17 things happened that day related to St. Therese. I'm going to have to. We'll share that tomorrow. Yeah, so, Matt, why is St. Therese, you know, jumping into your life right now? I don't know. But I don't know. I'm looking forward to You know to what Dorothy Day said about St. Therese? But she was protesting, like, nuclear war. She's like, if an atom can cause that kind of large-scale destruction. Imagine what St. Therese's little way can do in the spiritual realm. I was like, whoa. (laughs) Whoa. The little way is a spiritual atomic bomb. Wow. There you go. It's a great way to close this conversation. 13 Till, Kevin Prendergast joins us next. We need your help. Hello, I'm Marianne Kuharski, Director of Pro-Life Across America. In my 30-plus years, I've never seen such a concerted attempt to silence our efforts and at a time when it's most needed. There's a powerful effort to prevent and block our pro-life messages. Our billboards, social media, and digital ads are all impacted. Unplanned pregnancies still happen. Our ads feature a hotline number connecting callers with more than 3,000 pregnancy support centers across America, offering alternatives to abortion, free ultrasound, and pregnancy help. Babies' lives are being saved. The need still exists. It really does. And Pro-Life Across America needs your help. To donate, please find us at prolifeacrossamerica.org. Did you know I could suck my thumb before I was born? Yep, we all started small. It's the season of chunky soup and chunky sweaters, which means it's also pumpkin coffee season. And the Mystic Monks have their pumpkin spice blend in stock and ready for you to enjoy. And when you go to the Monks through sunrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on any flavor coffee or tea that you buy. Why shell out five bucks for a tall PSL when you can customize your own at home and drink it from a Sunrise Morning Show mug that you can find in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee through sunrisemorningshow.com. You Choose Week is here. We're Jerry and Debbie from Take Two on EWTN Radio, and it's your show, and all this week, it's your topics. You Choose Week is a week-long Take Two family topic celebration. You can join the conversation on Take Two with Jerry and Debbie weekdays at noon and midnight Eastern on EWTN Radio, and find us online at TakeTwoShow.com. All week, your topics spark the conversation. It's You Choose Week on Take Two with Jerry and Debbie on EWTN Radio. This is Dr. David Anders. Is God an angry God? We answer questions like these every day on Call to Communion, today at 2 p.m. Eastern. Now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. Continues. I'm Matt Swaim. It's always great to catch up with pastoral counselor Kevin Prendergast, licensed counselor with plenty of experience as a seminary instructor, also in private practice. Kevin, good morning. Hey, good morning, Matt. So there are people out there who would say there's no such thing as demonic possession. There's It's all mental illness. But I've also met people who say there's no such thing as mental illness. It's all demonic possession. You've worked with priests and pastors and bishops long enough to know uh, there's all kinds of different things that can cause distress in a person's life. So what's a good way to frame this conversation? Yeah, so the intention of our Holy Father for this month of September is we pray for those living on the margins of society. And just because of my work and experience, uh, where my mind goes right away is to the people who, you know, and and I've run into things that you can't explain just by mental illness. 
and we can't reduce all of Jesus' miracles to simply, you know, he was a very good therapist and, you know, cured people of their mental illness. But there, but I think in our days, we understand a little bit that some of what was going on there, when we look at a lot of the cures that he has, uh, the boy who throws himself into fire because he's having convulsions, the Gerasene demoniac, we'll talk about him, Mary Magdalene, afflicted with seven demons. So there is a demonic power. We have an enemy for sure. Uh, and the, the thing that uh, the image or the story that sticks in my mind when I was a freshman in high school, I was about 13 years old in Cleveland in the inner city. Uh, a priest uh, would take some of us. He recruited a group of guys to go to an inner city school and do some tutoring. And on one of those visits, he would drive us down. We'd have conversations in the car. So we pulled up at this light and there's uh, an older gentleman on the street corner uh, talking to the lamppost and rooting through a garbage can and looked like he hadn't showered in a couple of years and ragged clothes and wild eyes. And uh, Father Tom got stopped, got out of the car, went over and gave this man a hug and talked to him for a second and patted him on the shoulder and then came back to the car and he said, he's one of ours. Now, that's always stuck with me. I don't know why, but that is like one of the most profound things. And it kind of sets some motion in, in my life you know, of why I'm it, in the work. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. so great that you mentioned that story. <clears throat> I have a friend who grew up Muslim. Uh, had a conversion to Christianity, was a, uh, a big Presbyterian megachurch in New York City for a little mm -hmm. while, but had sort of a crisis of, of uh, you know, the divisions in Christianity were really bothering him, and he wasn't sure where he should be going. And so he decided he'd go pray in St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York City, mm -hmm. uh, just in a time when there wasn't a mass going on. And he's there praying, and several pews behind him, uh, he hears this woman who's in obvious mental distress crying loudly, and he sees mm -hmm. a security guard walk over, and he thinks to himself, "Oh man, she's in trouble. He's gonna he's gonna do something about this." And he sees the security guard give her a hug, and he's like, "All right, I know which church I need to join." <laughs> yeah. Right? That's a it's great the same story, kind man. of principle. Yeah, it's exactly it. And and I think there's a couple of things here. Like in our society, obviously we have a problem with mental illness and with homelessness, and but there's a lot of myths to us. So I think a lot of us are afraid of the people who are different, the other. And I think that's what our Holy Father is getting at, the people on the margins. Uh, so we have these, you know, the the figures that come from the government. You know, recently are probably 80, 85% of the homeless are single adults. So they're by themselves. They're, in my experience, they're alienated from their family. Two-thirds of them are male. About 30%, one in three, have a mental illness, and more than half have a substance abuse order co-occurring. And that only in a big uh, government study, only about 3% of people with serious mental illness ever commit a violent act. So that's the myth that we have is these people are crazy, they're dangerous, we need to avoid them. And it's not just on the street. You know, our, our Holy Father says he walks through the streets of Rome and he carries money with him and he always gives money to uh, whoever asks him on the street. Okay, some people would disagree with that. Uh, some people think it's wonderful. We have to make our own decision. But being on the streets, one thing, the other one would be uh, people in our own congregation. So my experience with families of folks who have mental illness is this is, uh, can be a lifelong burden. Uh, we have people in our congregations who, uh, parents who have adult children who are severely developmentally delayed, are on the autism spectrum severely, uh, have schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, depression. And we have people probably listening right now who are married or have a child at home 
who has one of these very disabling conditions. So we're not just talking about in, we hear a lot about mental health in the media. These are the severe mental illness where people are impaired, they have difficulty working and they're isolated. Go back and read Mark V, the Gerasene demoniac. Wonderful story there because he's obviously, whatever, depression, grief, he's up in the burial tombs. People try to chain him. Actually, in parts of Africa, people still do that, uh, chain the schizophrenic to a tree, right? Because there's not mental help available. And then he's isolated from the community. And what does Jesus do at the end? He casts out that demon and gives him back to his village, to his community, right? So I think that's a powerful message is if we look around our congregation, not to be afraid or upset or mad that somebody might be acting out during the mass or is acting odd and we just want to avoid them and run away. But can we reach out to the parents and family members who are struggling to care for their loved one? There's a great national organization, NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, and to connect people with support groups, but just the support of our, in, a, in our neighborhood and especially in our parish community, that we reach out to people in our, our family who are struggling with mental illness or caring for somebody who's afflicted with you know some of these mental demons. Well, we are the body of Christ. Uh, when one yep. part suffers, the whole body suffers, as Paul says. Mm-hmm. Um, so yep. how can we find those parts that are suffering and heal them and make them more integrated into the community of the full body? So, mm-hmm. Kevin Prendergast, great stuff this morning. Have a wonderful day. We'll talk to you yeah. soon. Yeah, thanks, Matt. God bless. Another full hour of the Sunrise Morning Show coming up for many of you listening across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Back right after this, it's three minutes till. It is Thursday, the 28th of September. Let's begin by praying a prayer of St. John of the Cross together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. O blessed Jesus, give me stillness of soul in you. Let your mighty calmness reign in me. Rule me, O King of gentleness, King of peace. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. It is a better way to start a Thursday morning, the Sunrise Morning Show, here on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio's sort of uh, first program of the morning. It's the first thing that you get live on your EWTN affiliate, too, is my guess. And uh, we're trying all kinds of new things today. If you get our show notes, you can see us on video this morning. Or you can just go to sunrisemorningshow.com and click on over and see what, uh, see what we look like today. It's a little scary being on video this morning. I got into school for radio, not this. I've got to start showering more often. Up this hour, 
Uh, we've got lots to get to. We're going to talk to Dr. John Bergsma in our ongoing series with him based on his book, Love Basics for Catholics. Rita Heikenfeld will talk about beef on Bible foods, the fatted calf. Gary Machuda has more thoughts on how Jesus' teaching style was adapted in such a way to make it very memorable to not just all of his listeners, but especially to the writers of the Gospels, and that's how we can trust the accuracy of their accounts. So stay with us if you can. Right now it is two minutes past. News of service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. Last night's Republican presidential debate went on without frontrunner Donald Trump. Two of the seven candidates took shots at the former president, including over his recent comments on abortion and his belief that heartbeat laws are not politically expedient for Republicans. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis pushed back against the claim that pro-life policies are to blame for Republican losses in the midterm elections. I think there's other reasons for that. Uh, the former president, um, you know, he's missing in action tonight. He's had a lot to say about that. He should be here explaining his comments to try to say that pro-life protections are somehow a terrible thing. DeSantis earlier this year signed a six-week abortion ban into law. DeSantis said Trump should be on the debate stage to defend this position. The Susan B. Anthony list responded thanking Governor DeSantis for his commitment to a minimum federal protection for babies in the womb when they feel pain by 15 weeks, saying in a statement that this keeps states free to be as ambitious as possible for life. They said, we thank Senator Tim Scott for raising this vital point in the debate and for advocating these protections for months, as has Vice President Mike Pence. This standard reflects the consensus of seven in 10 Americans, end quote. The U.S. soldier who crossed into North Korea without permission is back in American custody. More from Mark Mayfield. On Wednesday, North Korean state media announced that U.S. Army Private Travis King would be expelled from the country. King was taken into North Korean custody in July after he bolted across the DMZ during a tour rather than board a flight back home to the U.S. North Korea at the time said King confessed that he had illegally entered the country due to alleged inhuman maltreatment and racial discrimination within the U.S. Army. I'm Mark Mayfield. Catholic University of America has announced new security measures which come in response to concerns over public safety in the nation's capital. The D.C. school has established a new Office of Emergency Management, which will provide increased training to the university community. The goal is to better respond to emergencies, including improved communications, sheltering in place, and evacuation of buildings. The program manager for the new office previously worked with the D.C. Homeland Security and Emergency Management Agency. Pope Francis used his general audience yesterday to reflect on his short visit over the weekend to Marseille, France, to help close the Mediterranean meetings. The Holy Father said during the general audience that the challenge is that, quote, the Mediterranean might recover its vocation, that of being a laboratory of civilization and peace. He said, The Mediterranean is the cradle of civilization, and a cradle is for life. It is not tolerable that it become a tomb. Neither should it be a place of conflict, end quote. The bishops of Canada say reconciliation with indigenous peoples is advancing. 
From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports. In his introductory remarks on Monday, Bishop Raymond Poisson pointed to the significant progress achieved in the long journey of healing and reconciliation with indigenous peoples, reiterating that Pope Francis' penitential pilgrimage to Canada and his heartfelt apologies have inspired the Canadian bishops to make new forays in their individual and collective pastoral engagements with indigenous peoples. He recalled in particular the publication of the bishop's four pastoral letters on reconciliation, which he said will hopefully serve as a framework for furthering relationships of trust for years to come. Bishop Poisson further remarked that the Indigenous Reconciliation Fund, established in 2022, has so far collected the record sum of $11 million and is well on track to exceed the five-year target of $30 million the bishops pledged two years ago. Even more encouraging, he added, are the projects being initiated by indigenous peoples at the local level supported by the dioceses. Bishop Poisson also recalled the milestone statement issued earlier this year by the Vatican Dicasteries for Culture and Education and for Promoting Integral Development, rejecting the centuries-old doctrine of discovery that was used to justify the elimination of indigenous peoples' culture and livelihoods. Finally, the head of the Canadian bishops emphasised that in this journey towards healing and reconciliation, the key word is accompaniment. To those who wish to walk with us, he said, what we can offer as Christians and shepherds is empathy, compassion and prayer, so that this journey may culminate in true freedom and lasting hope. I am Lisa Zingarini. And Aussie Albies hit a walk-off RBI single in the bottom of the 10th inning to lift the Atlanta Braves over the Chicago Cubs 6-5 to yesterday. He also hit his 33rd home run of, of the season in the win and finished the day 3-for-5 with 3 RBI. Ronald Acuna Jr. stole a base in the 10th to become the first player in MLB history with 40 homers and 70 stolen bases in a single season. Wow. So now the Cubs fall into a tie with the Marlins for the final NL wildcard spot. With the Reds a game and a half back, but the Reds Matt, don't play today. What? I'm I'm not hopeful about this. Well, you know, it's it's baseball. Anything can happen. I mean, um, that's true, but Arizona I'm does just... look pretty set up for that second wildcard spot. That third one could go a lot of different directions. I know it doesn't sound like it, but there's a lot of baseball left to play. But that's not my takeaway from yesterday, just so you know. Oh, what's your takeaway from yesterday? So I was listening to uh, Father Philip Tangora's uh, Mets Uh uh, as they handled easily the Florida Marlins, the Miami Marlins yesterday. And at some point in the old mix, old habits die hard. Yeah, old habits die hard. At some point <laughs> in the mix, they had an older broadcaster on the Mets broadcast and a younger broadcaster mm-hmm. on the Mets broadcast. And at some point, the younger broadcaster mentioned that he went through a lot of his young life before he realized that Tommy John was an actual baseball player. And I was like, "Come on, come on, Mets, Mets broadcasters, you? you should know. Tommy, Tommy John, John is not just the name of a surgery." It's the name of a guy who pitched for something like 28 I seasons. I would really, really love to I got know. lots of Tommy John baseball Wait, cards. Wait, can you tell me, did he say, like, where he thought the term Tommy John su- surgery came from? He might not have did even thought know? it was, like, a real person. It's like, 
You just oh, like, man, that baseball hit me in the Tommy John part of my elbow. and You know, here we are in this nominalist culture. You know, you just call it something, and that's what it is, I It's guess. only the Tommy John surgery because you call it the because Tommy Because you John call surgery. it the Tommy John Thank Nominalism you, William Abacom. rearing its ugly head Thank once again. Thank you, William Abacom. Thank you, William Abacom. Is that where you thought that conversation was going to go, Anna Mitchell? No, not in the least. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Matt. Today is Thursday, September the 28th. It is the Feast of St. Wenceslas. Yes, good King Wenceslas looked down on the Feast of Steve. That King Wenceslas. It's his feast day today. It's also my 10th anniversary. Happy anniversary. Will. Joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Dr. John Berksma. We've been going through his book, Love Basics for Catholics. Good morning, Doc. Good morning, Anna. So we are in the chapter in your book focusing on the wedding at Cana um, as we look at, well, actually, this chapter is not focused on the wedding at Cana. It's focused on Jesus as the bridegroom, particularly in the Gospel of John. Today, we are going to be unpacking the wedding at Cana, which is in John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. I will read them now. On the third day, there was a marriage at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus was also invited to the marriage with his disciples. When the wine failed, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, O woman, what have you to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now, six stone jars were standing there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to them, fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, now draw some out and take it to the steward of the feast. So they took it. When the steward of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Every man serves the good wine first, and when the men have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Now, Doc, Jesus performs this miracle as a guest at this wedding. I mean, he's just being a really good friend, making sure that this family isn't embarrassed for running out of wine too early, right? I mean, or is it more than that? Well, it's interesting. You know, there's always deeper meanings to the stories, especially in the Gospel of John, elsewhere as well. But um, I think the key to understanding this account, Anna, is to ask ourselves the question, whose job did Jesus do at this wedding? Mm -hmm. And we know, I mean, there's hints of this in the text, and we know it from ancient Jewish culture, that it was the responsibility of the bridegroom to provide the wine. You know, this is his wedding responsibility, just like in our culture, you know, the father, the bride pays for the wedding, and the father, the groom for the rehearsal dinner, and so on. You divvy up the responsibilities right. but in your culture. So the bridegroom uh, was supposed to do this, and so... Jesus actually did the job of the bridegroom here, and that is super significant considering the prophetic tradition about 
God as bridegroom of Israel and, and of the king also as a kind of proxy bridegroom for God, the son of David, as bridegroom of Israel. And Jesus, of course, is both. He's both God and the son of David. So he is showing himself to be a super bridegroom here. Doc, can you talk about this exchange between Jesus and his mother? It says, um, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, a woman, what have you to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And then she says, do whatever he tells you. What's that about? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, of course, it happened. Um, it's historical, but it also teaches us prayer. Look at the Blessed Mother. She does. She doesn't conjole or insist. She just makes the need known, right? Mm-hmm. They have no wine. This is a good way to pray. Just make our needs known to Christ and then leave it in his hands. So do whatever he tells you. Yeah. Best advice in the world, right? Um, but then I, I don't know why translators render this, you know, what have you to do with me? It sounds like, it sounds so, you know, disrespectful. Yeah. But if you look in the Greek, it's like, it's, uh, it's more like, why is this a concern to us? Okay. I don't think that translation that we have in most Bibles can be justified. It's, it's again, why is this a concern to us? So, and, and what our Lord is, is saying there is, you know, we're guests here, et cetera. And, and furthermore, um, he says, my hour has not yet come, which is a very interesting response, Anna, because the implied request is, could you do something about the lack of wine? Could you produce wine? You know, and Jesus doesn't say no. My mission was not to produce wine. I'm the Messiah. You know, I got to go die for the people. He doesn't say that. He says my hour has not yet come, which implies that there is going to be an hour that's going to arrive where he's going to provide wine for a wedding, um, but not yet. And, of course, that's looking forward to the only other place in the Gospel of John where he provides liquid from his body. Wow. Wow. Um, Okay, at the end of this passage, it says, this the first of his signs. All right, I get that. Jesus did it, Cana and Galilee. I get that. And then it says, and manifested his glory. I mean, I know he brought the party here, Dr. Bergsma, <laughs> but how does this manifest his glory? Yes, 180 gallons, the finest French import here. <laughs> uh, this is pretty amazing. I'm sure that Jesus was getting invitations from every young couple in Galilee after performing this. Like, yeah. oh, remember that teacher from Nazareth? Make sure he gets an invite, Sarah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so... Um, but it's but the, the you know John is the gospel of signs and so this tremendous abundance of wine harks back to Isaiah 25 which promises a banquet of tremendous wine of the choicest finest wines on Mount Zion um, in in the at the end of time and Jesus is is signaling that that is approaching. And this wine, of this abundance, harks us back to John chapter 1, where it says, From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. Mm. Some translations say from his abundance. Mm. And the super abundance of wine here is a sign of the infinite num- amount of grace that's available in every Eucharist. If we would just have faith 
to open our hearts to receive it. Beautifully put. And I love in in verse 2, it says, I love this translation in verse 2 that says, Jesus was also invited to the marriage. I think a lesson for all of us who are married. Invite Jesus to the marriage. We've been talking to Dr. John Berksma. You can find Love Basics for Catholics linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Dr. Berksma, thank you so much. You bet. Talk to you next time. Sounds good. All right, it's 18 past. We're back with headlines right after this. The new feature film, Mother Teresa and Me, sponsored by Fathom Events, is in theaters Thursday, October 5th. Mother Teresa and Me weaves together the stories of two women, Mother Teresa, who served the poor with love amidst her dark night of the soul, and Kavita, a young woman who is searching for love while struggling with her unexpected pregnancy. Mother Teresa and Me, in theaters Thursday, October 5th. More information at fathomevents.com. That's fathomevents.com. Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show, where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family-owned business for over 75 years, manufacturing and repairing corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite monks of Wyoming. And your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonricemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's sonricemorningshow.com. This month's devotion is to Our Lady of Sorrows. We ask Mary to pray for us so that we can unite ourselves to her in her sorrow in the hope that we will one day also share her joy in the triumph of her son. Join in this devotion to Mary and strengthen our connection to Our Lady with rosaries, statues, bracelets, holy cards, prayer booklets, and more. Available at EWTNRC.com. 20 past, here's Anna with headlines. Last night's Republican presidential debate went on without frontrunner Donald Trump. The Archdiocese of Detroit has a new auxiliary bishop. It is the now former bishop of Steubenville. And during his general audience yesterday, Pope Francis made another appeal for the people of Ukraine. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. And if you go to sunrisemorningshow.com, as of today, we finally got the video stream going. So head on over to sunrisemorningshow.com, click the show notes, click over to the video stream, and say hello. It's 21 past. To school time and back to a busier morning routine. If you're going to need some help to get going, get yourself a few bags of Mystic Monk coffee. And when you go to the Mystic Monk site through the link you find at sunrisemorningshow.com, you'll give us a boost with a commission on your purchase. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and perhaps a water bottle for your student. All available in our online store. Find our store and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track. 
by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. This is Father Rob Jack with the Sacred Heartbeat. One of the titles given to the Sacred Heart of Jesus is Burning Furnace of Charity. Who can purify the human heart? Who can change our selfish love into a selfless love? The answer to both these questions is Jesus Christ. Christ's love for all people is intense and passionate. He desires to purify our hearts of all those things that prevent us from truly receiving God's grace. The mystics have described the heart of Jesus as a burning furnace which destroys sin. God puts nothing in the path of his love for us, but we put many things in the way of our love for God. By giving our hearts and souls and minds and bodies over to the Lord, we're asking him to remake us over into his image, not ours. Let us not be afraid to enter into the furnace of God's love. It's the only way that we will ever know Christ better. Heart of Jesus, burning furnace of charity, pray for us. Sunrise Morning Show continues on this Thursday, the 28th of September. It is time for Bible Foods, and it's always great to catch up with Rita Heikenfeld from AboutEating.com, who's got great insights into what foods are mentioned in the Bible and great ideas for simple, straightforward recipes you can actually make for you and your family. Rita, good morning. Good morning, and when we talk about this recipe, like I tell you a lot of times, I want your take on it, because I have a feeling you've got some opinions. Oh, I've cheated ahead to look at your recipe, and I've got some opinions. So uh, we're talking about beef today, Mm -hmm. and beef we eat all the time here in the United States of America. You would not have eaten it as often in Bible times, right? No, um, and it's interesting as far as where it's it's mentioned. um, Proverbs, I love this one. Better it is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fatted ox and hatred with it sort of like it's always not just about the food, but who shares it with you. And then in Luke, uh, that very familiar passage about the prodigal son when he returned home being led, um, being fed a fatted calf. And, you know, um, when you think of it, was it a common food? Not really, because cows and oxen back then, Matt, were used basically for, like work, uh, work animals, plowing fields. Yeah, it'd be like eating the employees. That'd be yeah, no good. exactly. Yeah, they were just considered too valuable by most folks just to be used for meat, on, especially on an everyday basis. Um, they were uh, common, most likely, but again, not eaten as such. But then on special occasions, like if you had somebody come to your house, um, sometimes holidays, receptions, what they called... Um, a fatted calf, like mentioned in Proverbs up there. It was specially cared for and fattened, and that was taken from the herd to be butchered and roasted, just a special calf. And I think uh, probably the most famous example of the fatted calf being killed is when we hear the story of the prodigal son, right? Where the son runs off and is, you know, hanging out, eating pods that the pigs don't eat, and then finally comes back and, you know, asks for forgiveness, and the father does just that, right? He kills the fatted calf. Uh, but what about the uh, the animals that were sacrificed? Because these cows, cattle were involved in this too. Oh, yeah. And we need to remember that, that most of the cattle wasn't penned and fed grain, which was back then considered a human food. 
Um, so the fatted calf, which was probably fed grain from my research, really was considered a luxury meat. Um, and, and what they did, they liked the calf, what we call veal, because it was smaller. So it wasn't only more manageable to cook, Matt, but there, was us- there were usually enough people um, present to eat all the meat, so there was no waste. Remember, there was no refrigeration. So that's why um, they used the calf rather than the, the older um, animal. Right, because you and... You and Frank can go to a local farm and say, we want a side of beef, and that'll last you the winter, right? Oh, you couldn't sure. exactly do that back then because there's no—it's not like you could throw it in a deep freezer for sure. Uh, and then, of course, this would not be something that uh, would be common people food anyway, right? Because for you to have that fatted calf and something to spare, you'd probably be on the wealthy side. Yeah, um, and back then, too, some animals were provided, as I said, for public feasts, and they were sacrificed to God. And then, um, I don't know how many people know this, but the blood of the animal was poured out before God. And that was a way of making up for their sins. And so the meat was considered consecrated, actually. And then the guests were then considered to be eating divine food. So not just like you said, going to the restaurant and eating a steak. Right. So very special. And, of course, we see all kinds of references to this throughout the scriptures. But how would they have uh, eaten it? In well, terms of, you know, the cooking, because I don't think that they probably had, a, you know, a, a Weber grill in the back either. No, but you know what? They may do. They uh, spit roasted it over an open fire, sort of like people are doing today, going back to those ancient ways of cooking. Sometimes they boiled it in cauldrons, um, and sometimes they cooked it with water uh, to sort of make like a soup or a stew. And then um, if, if it was a stew, that was considered good enough to be uh, served to honor guests. All right, so I want to know about your campfire hobo dinners in a packet because this is perfect camping season, the fall. Uh, I don't like camping in the summer as much because it's too hot. I like Mm -hmm. it when I can throw on a polar fleece, sit in front of a fire, put something in a foil packet, and just sit there and watch it cook. Well, this is your dinner then. This is um, it's a a, sort of a two-parter. First of all, we're going to do some burgers, and I like to use lean ground beef and then put a little olive oil in the beef um, if it's very lean so that it grills well. And then sometimes I'll add some, get this, some powdered ranch dressing or, you know, like just the dried Italian seasoning to it, and then a shake or two of the Canadian steak seasoning. Um, so you mix that up, the beef, a little olive oil, the seasonings, and then if I have any parsley, I'll throw that in just for color. Um, and so I just mix all that up and, and make burgers. And when I make the burgers, I'll poke a hole in the center. And you want to tell everybody why we do that? Yes, that's because your burgers don't come out looking like meatballs if you grill, if you do, if you grill them that way by putting the, the thumbprint in the middle. I've been using that trick since you told it to me like 15 years ago. I know, I know. An oldie but a goodie. Anyway, and um, so you've got that mixture, and then you're going to have some cheese. And then what you're going to do, you're going to take some foil um, and put a, a nice slice of onion on it. And then I usually dice up some potatoes and mushrooms um, really fine, and then I'll, again, add a little olive oil and and some steak seasoning to that. And then I'll have the uh, onion on the bottom, the burger on the top, and the potato-mushroom mixture, and then I'll um, boil those up. And right before uh, we eat them, when we take them off the grill, I'll put a slice of cheese on so it melts really quick. And you can vary the toppings, whatever you like, but it's a wonderful um, campfire or grill dinner for fall. So you know how I was thinking. You were talking about Canadian steak seasoning and all mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. I was still thinking North America, 
But as I was looking at this, I was like, you know, you could swap out a little chili powder and a squeeze of lime in there and do Mexican hobo sounds, dinner in a packet. That sounds that sounds like the next Maybe meal a for me. Poblano pepper in there. Ah, this, there's endless possibilities, Rita, mm-hmm. based on the way you've set this up. But we've got the recipe linked in the show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com. It'll take you right over to abouteating.com. Rita Heikenfeld, have a great day. I will, and I'll talk to you next week, Matt. Half past the hour, here's Anna with news. Good morning. The Bishop of Steubenville has been moved to the Archdiocese of Detroit. The Holy See announced today that Bishop Jeffrey Montforton will head to Detroit to serve as an auxiliary bishop under Archbishop Alan Vignerone. This coming after some controversy in the Diocese of Steubenville over whether it should be incorporated into the Diocese of Columbus. Last night's Republican presidential debate went on without frontrunner Donald Trump. Two of the seven candidates took shots at the former president, including over his recent comments on abortion and his belief that heartbeat laws are not politically expedient. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis pushed back at the claim that pro-life policies are to blame for Republican losses in the midterms. I think there's other reasons for that. Uh, The former president, um, you know, he's missing in action tonight. He's had a lot to say about that. He should be here explaining his comments to try to say that pro-life protections are somehow a terrible thing. DeSantis earlier this year signed a heartbeat law. DeSantis said he should be on the debate stage defending the position. The Susan B. Anthony list responded to the debate saying, quote, we thank Governor Ron DeSantis for his commitment to support minimum federal protections for babies in the womb when they feel pain by 15 weeks while keeping states free to be as ambitious as possible for life. We thank Senator Tim Scott, they say, for raising this vital point in the debate and for advocating these protections for months, as has Vice President Mike Pence. This standard reflects the consensus of seven in 10 Americans, end quote. South Carolina Senator Tim Scott said a balanced budget amendment is necessary to get the country back on track during the debate last night. Trey Thomas has more. South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley sparred with Scott over the nation's debt. I, I appreciate Tim. We've known each other a long time, but he's been there 12 years and he hasn't done any of that. He well, hasn't. Geez. They've only given four uh, budgets well, on time in 40 years. He was part the of that. Biggest, the he increased the national in the debt. History. He voted for the spending. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis said leadership is key to the debt issue. North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum said he's presided over a balanced budget in his state. I'm Trey Thomas. During his general audience yesterday, Pope Francis reflected on his visit last weekend to Marseille, France, to close the Mediterranean meetings. The Pope said he found passion and enthusiasm there, and he prayed that Our Lady, quote, accompany the journey of the peoples of the Mediterranean, so that this region might become what it has always been called to be, a mosaic of civilization and hope, end quote. The Holy Father also made another appeal for the people of Ukraine during his general audience, encouraging the faithful to, quote, remember your brothers and sisters forced to leave their war-torn homeland who seek help, refuge, and goodwill. He told Polish pilgrims particularly to show them a Christ-like welcome. United Auto Workers President Sean Fain will make an announcement tomorrow morning on the union's next possible expansion of their strike against Detroit's big three automakers. Last Friday, Fain expanded the workers' strike from three plants, one from each of the big three, to add 38 GM and Stellantis plants. Ford did not see any additional plants affected by the strike due to the progress they've made in the contract talks. 
Roughly 60% of U.S. consumers across all income levels are apparently living paycheck to paycheck. Mark Mayfield has more. That's according to new reports from Payments and Lending Club, who found that those living paycheck to paycheck include 45% of high-income consumers who make more than $100,000 a year. About 76% of people making less than $50,000 a year reported they were barely making ends meet. The numbers are almost unchanged from last year and in line with a CNBC study that also found 6 in 10 Americans live paycheck to paycheck. I'm Mark Mayfield. The American soldier released from North Korea this week arrived in Texas overnight. U.S. authorities took custody of 23-year-old Travis King on Wednesday at the China-Korea border. King will now be medically evaluated at the Brook Army Medical Center. The Army private was reportedly facing disciplinary problems when he crossed the border between North and South Korea in July. And scientists are reporting a rare sighting of a deep-sea creature northwest of Hawaii. A Dumbo octopus was recently spotted on the seamount about a mile below the surface of the Pacific Ocean. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 minutes. The You start your day a better way by listening to the Sunrise Morning Show. Soon you'll be able to watch as well. That's right. Starting September 25th, you'll be able to watch the Sunrise video stream on social media and at sunrisemorningshow.com. You'll also be able to see the faces of the regular Sunrise Morning Show family. Plus, you'll get to see what my hair looks like first thing in the morning. And whether I ever crack a smile at Matt's terrible jokes. Spoiler alert, she does. Sunrise goes to video September 25th. Tune in at sunrisemorningshow.com. The kids got new supplies for back to school, so what do the parents get? Well, we suggest treating yourself to some good coffee, and the Mystic Monks of Wyoming have a number of blends to choose from. And when you link to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sonrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on whatever you buy. You can also treat yourself to a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and a water bottle for your kid in our online store. Check out our store and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sunrisemorningshow.com. The Baltimore Catechism asks, Why do we receive the gift of piety? We receive the gift of piety to make us love God as Father and to obey Him because we love Him. In the temporal world, we need the gift of piety in order to love our parents. We are pious when we respect them and obey them. In the eternal world, we need the gift of piety to help us love God, not just God in the abstract, but God as Father, the one who gave birth to us in baptism, and the one who unites us to his Son through our redemptive adoption. The gift of piety then helps us to truly look upon God as he really is, not through our image of him, but as he manifests himself to us through Jesus Christ. Come, Holy Spirit, fill my heart with the gift of piety. Help me to obey the Father because I love him and because he loves me. Reflecting on the Baltimore Catechism, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan. We thank you for joining us on this Thursday, the 28th of September. Thank you especially to those of you who've been brave enough to check out our Sunrise Morning Show video live stream on the first day we're trying it. Uh, so you all have lots of lots of patience, and we thank you. Uh, thanks to Travis, by the way, working behind the scenes to make this happen in the first place. You can't see Travis unless he at some point pokes his head on one of these cameras. But mad kudos to 
Travis for making it happen. Gary Machuda knows what this is about. He's been doing these kinds of things for years. Gary Machuda now joining us from Hands-On Apologetics, and it's a great resource for all kinds of ways to better understand the Catholic faith and help better explain it to people who ask you about it. Gary, good morning. Morning, Matt. All right, so today we are continuing our series on the ways that Jesus made his teachings memorable to his audience, and you've got some really interesting stuff to say about these kind of undesigned coincidences, meaning that there are some things where all these guys are telling different stories, quote-unquote, or maybe they're telling the same story in different ways, but they tell them in just enough of a similar way that shows us that this probably happened. Yeah, yeah, and by the way, i got to give a hat tip to uh, <clears throat> Lydia McGrew's book, uh, Hidden Plain View, Undesigned Coincidences in the Gospels and Acts, because in that book, she she goes through numerous examples. I just give a couple in my book of how these like little offhanded comments in one gospel will explain things that aren't explained in other gospels. Now, the the example I give in my book is the feeding of the five thousand. And uh, <clears throat> for example, in Mark Mark six thirty nine, he makes a little offhanded comment that uh, the crowds there there was a lot of green grass there, and that comment probably doesn't mean much to, to us today, especially here in America in the fall, right? I mean, <laughs> we got lots of green grass. What difference does it make? But, you know, in the ancient Middle East, uh, it's an arid region, and you only get green grass at certain points of the time, such as in spring when it's rainy. Now, what's interesting is if you look at the Gospel of John, when his recounting of the feeding of the 5,000 in John 6.10 he makes a, another offhanded comment saying that the, the Feast of Passover was near. And the Feast of Passover takes place in the spring, which is when you get green grass, which is mentioned in Mark. So you can see how the two Gospels, you know, unintentionally and without any design, uh, more or less point to the same phenomenon. It is fa- <clears throat> fascinating for a number of reasons, among them that it would be weird for the four gospel writers to conspire together and say, all right, I'm going to leave out this detail, but you make sure to include it in yours so that if our, if we get quizzed, we'll make sure that our testimonies mass, uh, you know, match up or whatever. And, uh, I'll make sure not to mention it. So you get to have full credit for noticing the greenness of the grass mark. And that would be weird, right? Yeah, <laughs> it, exactly. it actually points yeah. more likely to the fact that this organically really did happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, here's another one that that's cool, and there's there's lots and lots of these. In Matthew, uh, it records Herod's words about Jesus. You know, he says, this is John the Baptist, who has been raised from the dead. And he puts down that Herod says this to his servants. Okay, uh, pretty innocuous. We probably read it a million times, never really thought about it. But why is that important? Well, actually, in Luke's Gospel— on a completely unrelated topic, we learned that one of the followers of Jesus is Joanna, who is the wife of Cusa, who was the household manager for Herod. So Luke tells us that we had a, there was a Christian who was in the household. So when Matthew records that Herod says this to his servants, she might have been there, or perhaps her husband was there and told her about what Herod said. So again, you know, that those are two completely unrelated instances 
that helps fill out the story, and that points to authenticity. You know, it's interesting, too, Gary, as we read the Gospels, we're reading them a couple thousand years after the fact, and mm-hmm. it can be easy for us to sort of think about how people write books today, that they would sit down in their office and in the privacy of their own home think, what do I want to have to say about something? Maybe pick a book or two off of their shelf and research it and add some citations. I'm sure you did a little bit of that when you were putting together your book, The Gospel Truth. But in the case of the uh, gospel writers, these men are living in a largely illiterate culture, uh, saturated in the oral tradition. These would have been stories that they had told out loud to one another a hundred times, a thousand times. And somebody would say, Mark, you tell the story, right? Because Mark tells the story a certain way. Just like if you've been in a room full of people and there's a story that your whole family knows and everybody's heard a million times and somebody starts telling it, there's a certain person who tells it really well, right? And you're like, mm-hmm. yeah, let Bob tell this one, right? It's, this is, you start to sort of get a really sort of organic and authentic picture of the gospel narratives and how they developed into the text. Yeah, yeah, and what's beautiful is how they they feather together, right? Uh, Critics will point to supposed contradictions or, you know, difficulties in the different accounts, and they'll use that as evidence against the uh, reliability of the Gospels. Well, what Lydia McGrew shows in this book is that there's a flip side to that, that if those count against the reliability of the Gospels, how do you account for all these undesigned uh, coincidences that fit together like a hand in glove. I mean, obviously, there wasn't, like you said, there wasn't a conspiracy. It wasn't like, okay, let's look over here, and we could take this and and put into our story. Uh, These are just offhanded remarks, and yet, you know, they all fit together and give a coherent view of what's going on. Yeah, and uh, we know this in in everyday life in a hundred different ways. Right. Uh, When we go to someone's funeral, you're going to hear a room full of people who are all telling stories about a person that are true. And if only one person was able to tell the story, you'd get a pretty good picture of the deceased, the beloved person in your life who's passed on. But you get four voices each telling a story and suddenly you get a much fuller picture. Still true. Right. But it gives you different flavors and angles and facets of who that person is. And I'm just sort of struck as we go through this series uh, together, Gary, the genius of four different accounts being included. I mean, we we could have been stuck with one gospel reading, which would have been great and true, but my goodness, having three more is an incredible thing when you look at what it shows you about Christ. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it really is like in 4D. <laughs> There's like all these different dimensions, and, and they're not incoherent, right? Yeah, there will be difficulties, but they all they all feather together in that one coherent view. Well, if our listeners want to get a copy of your book, The Gospel Truth, which digs into some of these ways that we know that the gospel accounts that we have are reliable accounts, Gary Machuda, how do they do so? Yeah, just go to stpaulcenter.com and uh, pick up The Gospel Truth. And Hands-On Apologetics is a great place to be as well. There's just tons of good stuff on there. And Gary's always, he's always finding cool new angles of arguments you may have heard a hundred different ways, but you probably hadn't heard this weird thing that Gary found. So go check out Hands on Apologetics. Gary, have a wonderful day. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Matt. All right. Coming up next here on the Sunrise Morning Show, Anna Mitchell joins me. We talk more about today's feast 
of Good King Wenceslas. It is a quarter before the hour. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save, 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare, 844-334-3245. Mystic Monk Coffee has brought back their pumpkin spice blend, and unlike the competition, buying their coffee has the added bonus of supporting the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming and the Sunrise Morning Show. Go to sunrisemorningshow.com and click the Mystic Monk link to get that or any of their other coffee blends or teas. When you check out, we earn a commission. And there's no better vessel for your Mystic Monk pumpkin spice latte than a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug. Find those in our online store. Do pumpkin spice the Catholic way. Just head on over to sonrisemorningshow.com. Saints Alive is a radio theater podcast for kids that tells the story of the saints filled with adventure, heroism, virtue, and humor. You can hear Saints Alive as well as faith-filled podcasts from our friends and affiliates across the nation, all in one place, all free at EWTN Podcast Central. Visit EWTNRadio.net slash podcasts today. This is Dr. David Anders. Is God an angry God? We answer questions like these every day on Call to Communion, today at 2 p.m. Eastern. Now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. 13 till, here's Anna with headlines. The Bishop of Steubenville has been moved to be an auxiliary bishop in the Archdiocese of Detroit. Last night's Republican presidential debate went on without frontrunner Donald Trump, and Pope Francis used his general audience yesterday to reflect on his short visit over the weekend to Marseille, France, to help close out the Mediterranean meetings. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show, and today the feast of good King Wenceslas, who, uh, he's one of those saints who gets a couple mentions a year. Usually at Christmas. It's usually Christmas. It's a great Christmas carol. Because if you recall, good King Wenceslas looked out on the, on the Feast of, of Stephen, Stephen, which is There he December ordered a pizza, 26th. deep and crisp and even, deep pan, crisp and even. But at any rate, St. Wenceslas is uh, that was a saint that nobody, nobody really knows a ton about. Maybe you know the name, but we do have information about him. He was a king. Obviously, but he was a virtuous king and a king whose virtue actually had some some pretty real cost to it. Uh, and I think it's a really good life for us to reflect on, given all the kind of conversations that go on, especially as we get closer and closer to November. Well, I think it very interesting, first of all, that his family was converted by Cyril and Methodius. How cool is that? And he has a grandmother who is a saint, um, Saint Ludmilla. I think is how you pronounce it. But anyway, 
he um, he becomes the Duke of Bohemia and is murdered by his brother for political reasons. And yet he is considered a martyr. So he was murdered for political reasons, but is considered a martyr. So a martyr is someone who is killed in hatred of the faith. And so basically Wenceslas was murdered for his politics, which were inseparable from his faith. What a lesson for all of us. I mean, we have other um, we have other examples of of saintly kings. Obviously, Louis the Ninth is somebody that that comes mm-hmm. to mind most readily. Um, but this idea that our politics should not be separated from our faith is almost anathema in the American culture because your faith has no bearing when you have this idea of separation of church and faith or church and state, right? I mean, well, that's how the that's how that's the narrative how they, goes out there. That's how the narrative goes. So there's goes. a couple different ways the narrative goes. One is that you should keep your faith over in one box and that you should uh have your politics over in the other and never mm-hmm. the twain shall meet. Mm-hmm. And if you bring your faith in, you're encouraging a theocracy or you're some kind of a Christian nationalist who wants mm-hmm. to impose Christian belief into you know forced baptisms and all these other things. It's it's a messy thing out there. Now uh, we as faithful Catholics tend to look at this and be like, man, I wish our political process had a lot more Catholic principles in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and often when I hear these conversations go on, people are like, I wish X politician would do this thing right. more in line with their Catholic faith. Well, unfortunately, I don't really have much control or power over that. So I tend to not waste too much brain space on that. I leave that in the realm of prayer. Yeah. What I tend to think about when I look at this idea of faith and politics and how it works is like, what is my primary point of reference for how I live and think and breathe and act mm-hmm. and react in this world? Because part of what the political process does is it acts sort of as like a like a substitute magisterium. <laughs> it yeah. kind of walks into your life and says, "Well, it's so you believe this thing. Well, let me tell you which parts of that thing are the most important, which parts you don't have to worry about, mm-hmm. according to our political principles that us, you know, we in the political... Right. realm kind of decided it acts like a magisterium for us a lot of the times if we're not careful it'll tell us it'll interpret our faith for us and tell us which pieces are important well yeah do you want some discard. examples uh, uh are you going to get us all in trouble anna mitchell by may i well i hope not but i i would just like to offer some examples because i think sure. that we um i mean you and i both hate this two-party system that the United States has because both parties have things that are really not in line with what Catholic political thought should be. We should be thinking about the common good. So that means everyone. And of course, we as Catholics most readily think about the unborn in this instance, right? Well, um, I was just hearing from someone who will remain nameless but has um, but has some ins in Washington, we shall say. And he said he was talking to a Republican uh, leader of some kind and was explaining to him that if we had a, a Catholic pro-life ruler in office— um, in in the executive branch, 
that that president could interpret the 14th Amendment to protect the unborn child in the womb, which, of course, the 14th Amendment is equal protection under the law. And if we believe that life begins at conception, then that is a human person at conception and should be covered under the 14th Amendment. Well, this Republican leader responded saying, well, if we misuse executive power like that, we're no better than the Democrats. So basically it was comparing equal protection for the unborn and ending abortion in that way to like ordering the military to salute pride, pride flags, like as like looking at this as a misuse of executive power. Like, really? Yeah. I, so, I mean, honestly, I think this idea of, of states' rights yeah. has turned abortion into the new slavery. It's like mm-hmm. you will be protected depending on what state you are in. And Which that is not, is not OK. Question. That well, is and it's not also, a common good question. It's also kind of become clear that, you know, a lot of people who were involved in the pro-life movement at the federal level didn't understand necessarily what the end game was. The end game was not Roe versus Wade. The end game is overhauling the culture of death. Exactly. <laughs> so exactly. This was not game. about returning it to the states, no matter what the right. Dobbs decision. That's says. one piece of the process. But it's a process that I think step. we all know state by state has gone in very different directions very different depending directions. on where you are. So if your only plan was Supreme Court justices, now you've got to figure out, well, what was the point of the Supreme Court justices? Because everybody's fighting a different kind of battle in different kinds of states. We we talk about Ohio on here. We've talked about Michigan mm-hmm. on here. We've talked about Kansas. We've talked about a number of places. Mm-hmm. But, you know, to back it off of like sort of the policies and the, and, and the whatever, it is so easy. I mean, the political world is so hot and loud. You're playing like some clips from the debate and Paul... <laughs> you know, has my mic in his in queue, and I'm just hearing them yell, and I'm over here going just like, ah, stop, You're stop, losing right? your mind. I'm just like, listening please to just one stop yelling, argument. right? And it's yeah. for like 45 seconds of a debate, and what that causes us to do is it causes us to usually divide against one another, people who should be on the same side. It usually causes us to um, maybe pursue a noble goal but using unvirtuous means Mm -hmm. it causes us to um, dehumanize while in pursuit of an issue that is at the heart of human dignity (laughs) i mean these are all the things that kind of happen to us so when i look at a king wednesday's loss and i see a guy whose faith and whose political leadership were so intertwined that it cost him his life i think well at least it can be done yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's a good point. It's so, a good point. And again, I can't control any of those people on those debate stages no. that we're going to see all over the place. Mm-hmm. But I can control me, and I can control where my perspective comes from. Mm-hmm. And I want it to come from the heart of the church, yep. not from the headlines. And so. particularly when we get into these conversations as you know the political process rolls on, yeah. just remember that, too. That's something we can control, how we... Respond to this. Good and King Wenceslas, pray, pray for, us. for us. We'll talk to you tomorrow. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace.